Are you looking for practical ministry help to inform and inspire your leadership? Do you have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of other leaders in pursuit of stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast, presented by CDF Capital, helping churches grow. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary. Hey friends, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have decided to tune in. Super excited about today because we've got a, a really fantastic guest expert to help you and I with some real practical stuff uh, in our organizations. We've got Michael Bungay Stanier. Uh, he is really best known for his book, The Coaching Habit, uh, which is a fantastic book. If you have not read that, give that to your team. You need to. It's really is the best selling. I didn't know this. The best selling coaching book of the century and is recognized as a classic. I found it super helpful. But in his most recent book, How to Work with Almost Anyone, shows how you and I can build the best possible relationship with key people at work. He's a Rhodes Scholar. Uh, he's Australian. And our friend, Kerry Newhoff, said, hey, you've got to have Michael on. And anything time Kerry tells me to do stuff, I say yes. So super honored to have you, Michael. It's an honor that you're here with us today. Oh, Rich, thank you. I mean, I love that Kerry made the introduction, and I'm grateful mm -hmm. for that indeed. And thanks for such a nice introduction. That's really, really warm of you. Well, why don't you fill out the picture? Like, what did I miss there? What are some things that you'd love people to know? Oh, gosh. Well, you know, I've got that kind of complicated backstory. You know that saying, <laughs> inspiration is when your past suddenly makes sense? So you go <laughs> that kind of a accumulation of adventures and stories and scars and mistakes. But you covered a lot of the basics. I'm Australian. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I got lucky when I was in my mid-20s and I won a Rhodes Scholarship. And that did two mm. brilliant things for me. One is mm. it stopped me becoming a lawyer because I was doing a law degree and it wasn't working going well. I mean, I literally finished my law school being sued by one of my professors for defamation. So I'm like, okay, that's oh, not great. <laughs> um, and then uh, I arrived at Oxford to study and I met my wife. Uh, mm. We've been 30 years married now and uh, she's mm -hmm. Canadian. So that's part mm -hmm. of the reason I've ended up living in Toronto. Um, mm -hmm. And I, you know, when I finally got out of school, I spent some time in the world of innovation and creativity. Amongst mm -hmm. other things, I've helped invent a whiskey that's been called the worst single malt scotch ever invented. Um, I worked into the world of organizational change. So this is where I really got interested in how organizations uh, flourish or don't flourish. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and then 20 years ago or so, I started a company that's uh, a training company to help organizations uh, use coaching skills to help bring out the very best in their people and mm -hmm. thrive as an organization that's called Boxer Crayons. Um, mm -hmm. But now I would say I'm trying to be a writer. So mm. of all the things I do and all the ways I teach, writing is perhaps mm -hmm. my my most unique, most practical way. And so mm. these days I spend a lot of time going, all right, <laughs> let yes. me go through the misery of writing a book uh, and then the, <laughs> the, the, the necessity of talking about the book and getting it out into the world. And that's kind of how I see myself now. Love it. Well, well, you know, I, I want to just thank you for uh, the coaching habit. And uh, so I read the coaching habit and um, to be honest, did not connect your name with that book until, until Carrie reached out to me and was like, yeah. Hey, there's this guy. And I was like, Oh my goodness, I would love to get a chance to talk to Michael. That his book is a fantastic, super practical, um, 
you know, the kind of thing that you can put right into, into practice. And so I'm honored yeah. that you would come on and look forward well, to diving thanks. in. Your, your new book is called How to Work with Almost Anyone, Five Questions for Building the Best Possible Work Relationships. I love, in the write-up, I love this because <laughs> this feels very true in the organizations yeah. I've left. I've led. Not every relationship can be rainbows and unicorns and free-flowing ginger beer. But <laughs> uh, man, that's so true for us. We're leading yeah. churches. Most of the people who are you know listening right. here, you've they've got a staff of 10, 15 people, something like that. And we know that those relationships are uh, are so they can be tough at times. Why is that? Why why doesn't why don't relationships just magically happen? Why aren't they uh, oh, rainbows, unicorns, and free flowing ginger beer? Because you know it's um, people are messy and complicated, <laughs> and, mm. and 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 have their own agendas and are doing their best, but not everything is aligned. So mm. you know if you look back on the working relationships you've had, the ones you have now and the ones you've had in the past, my bet is it's probably a bell curve. You know you have some mm. people at one end where you're like, I love working with you. For some reason mm -hmm. we've clicked and we bring out the best in each other and we mm -hmm. navigate the hard times with some grace and some ease and mm -hmm. uh we kind of amplify the best of who we are mm. my bet is probably you've had working relationships at the other end of the bell curve as well where you're like ah it's not even that they're a terrible person i mean sometimes mm. it's that they're a terrible person but not always sometimes it's like we just can't click we've got sand in the mm. gears Mm -hmm. And lots of the working relationships are somewhere in the middle, which is like, they're, they're fine. Sometimes they're a bit mm -hmm. off and sometimes they're a bit on. Mm -hmm. I realize that we get stuff done through people. We find mm -hmm. the so joy true. in our work through the people with whom we work. And mm -hmm. whereas we've all got guidance on how to do the work better, be more productive, be more strategic, be more efficient, mm -hmm. be, be all of that, there's mm -hmm. less guidance on how do we actively manage and bring out give us the best possible chance of the best possible working relationships mm, oh that's so good you know I, I love that distinction of um you know there's a lot of resources out there that are around the getting stuff done it's the whole right. how do we you know uh, but but what are we doing to try to build up the relational stuff? Now, I want to take advantage of the fact that you're here. You've structured this book around five questions. Yeah. I want to help our listeners and cut right yeah. to the chase. There's got to be one of them that is like the one that, that you found in your conversations, in your research, that's the highest leverage. I know that's an unfair question to an author, but let's let's start there. Well, I'm going to start, I'm going to start, I'm going to shed what I think is probably the question. If I can only ask one of those five questions, this is the question that yep. I would ask. But mm -hmm. the key, if there's one message I would hope people heard in this conversation between mm -hmm. you and me, Rich, it's mm -hmm. have a conversation about how you're going to work together rather mm -hmm. than just on what you're working on. And mm -hmm. the, and the pull is always on the what, cause it's always there and shiny and loud and urgent and bright, but it's like taking a beat and kind of looking the other person in the eye and saying, hey, how will mm. we work best together? How will we bring out the best in each other? Can and, you frame that up for us? What do you, what do you mean by that? How, like, well, what, what does that look like? So we didn't do this, but we could have done this before you hit record on this podcast. I could have said, Rich, mm -hmm. tell me what makes a really great podcast guest for you. I mean, what do mm -hmm. they do mm -hmm. and what do they say and what do they not do and what do they not say? <laughs> sure. Um, and I could have said, and tell me, tell me, like, the terrible guests, or at least the ones where you, you know, at mm. the end of it, you're like, you put your head in your hands and go, oh man, that was hard work. And I'm not <laughs> even sure I'm going to release that episode because it just didn't sure. work. And I could say to you, Rich, let me tell you when I've been interviewed, the interviews that I love, the ones that really mm. bring out the best in me. And then let mm -hmm. me tell you about the interviews that are less fun for me, ones that I'm, I'm mm -hmm. not so enamored. And you and I mm -hmm. have a conversation. We're not, we're not talking about what I'm going to talk about. We're talking about how mm -hmm. will you and I work best together? 
Mm-hmm. And you can do that with all the key relationships in your in your church or in in your organization, the people on your team, maybe the key people in your parish or in your flock. Mm-hmm. And the ones like these mm-hmm. are key people who I need to work well with. Maybe mm-hmm. it's like vendors and some people who support the the work that you do in your church or your organization. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. can build better working relationships with those people, mm-hmm. but it requires a conversation where you go, hey, you and me, mm-hmm. I don't want this to suck. <laughs> what should I do yes. to make it not suck? What should I do to make it even better? And right. whether you pick any one of the five questions that, that we can talk about specifically mm-hmm. and use that as a springboard, mm-hmm. you can, but really mm-hmm. just take away this idea of just checking in with another person going, how should we do this? So that right. we give it, give both of us the best chance of enjoying the working relationship, which gives mm-hmm. both of us the best chance of the work being good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Help us on, help me understand maybe, and we'll get to one of those questions in a second. But yeah. as we're kind of thinking about it from a conceptual point of view, help me understand. Maybe there's people on my team that I, when you described the bell curve, yeah. I very quickly went to the people that were on the bottom end of that bell curve. Like right. I, you did not have to convince me. Oh my goodness, this is <laughs> these people are right. not working. Yeah. Um, how do we frame that kind of conversation? How do we how do we approach that one? Uh, maybe I'm not even. I don't even really. I want to keep it at the transactional because it is right. so negative. Uh, you know, help us think through that. Well, you always have a choice. You have a choice whether this is worth it or not. Because mm. you may say, look, there are some relationships where I just don't want to do this because I just mm. want to I want to limit it. I want to keep it transactional. But I know that when I've led teams, actually, I haven't really had that choice. I'm like, I need this to be better because this is sucking the life out of me. It's miserable mm. for both of us. Um, mm. And I want to give this the best chance of not turning into something magical and brilliant because I think that's unlikely. I want mm. a bad relationship to get to being good enough. I want mm-hmm. to remove as much of the, the negative as possible. So at a minimum, we've got a decent working relationship and we give ourselves mm-hmm. the best chance to cooperate because, you know, you, you have to. I mean, maybe you need to let mm-hmm. this person go or fire them or whatever. Maybe that's the solution. But sometimes mm-hmm. you're like, I, I need to give this a better shot. Or for some reason, I don't have the, I don't have the option of firing them. So we've got to figure out mm-hmm. a way of working well together. Yeah, and I love that. And I think that's the conversation where I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. Rich, I know we've had our struggles working together. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I'd, I'd like to do all we can to try and make this just as good as we can get it. So mm-hmm. let's mm-hmm. just pause for a moment and let's just have a conversation about how should we do that. Mm-hmm. And I love that. There is risk involved in here. Like there's, mm-hmm. this is an act of vulnerability. This is an act of courage to do this. Mm-hmm. And it won't mm-hmm. always work. Mm-hmm. But it will work often enough. Mm-hmm. And what you're exhibiting as you show this leadership is powerful mm-hmm. for not just the two of you, but also for other people watching on, that it mm-hmm. is often a really bold, good investment in your leadership. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I love the you know, the courageous conversation that needs to happen yeah. there, that it's like, hey, we've got to take we're the leader. It's our job to lead, to go ahead. And and sometimes even just acknowledging, I found that in the past, acknowledging with people. Hey, like we both can see this isn't working well, right? Like, can we talk yeah. about that? Like, you know, that, wow, what a, what a powerful, even just that alone could, you know, get us farther down the field. I love that. Um, 
well, let's dive into one of these questions. Sure. What if we let's pull, let's unpack one of those, yeah. you know, pretend we're sitting across the table trying to coach a leader. How, how what's one of these conversations that could oh. be particularly helpful? Uh, so, for, you know, I had for this us. with the coaching habit because, you know, the coaching habit yes. is like, here are seven great questions. And I'm always asked, what's your favorite question? I'm like, oh yes. man, I like all of them. I literally, <laughs> yes. I literally wrote a version of the coaching habit, which like had 169 questions. And then I love drew, it. And it was a terrible book. I mean, it was a terrible <laughs> version. So I like, I have to get fewer questions. So yes. took it down to seven. So all of them have their place. Mm-hmm. But um, I would, oh, what would I pick? I would perhaps <laughs> pick this one. Yes. I pick the bad date question. It's question number okay. four of the five. And it says this, what can we learn from past frustrating relationships? Because what is true is what happened in the past will repeat in the future. Even mm. though the past is with different people and different contexts and different moments and you're a different person, all of that is true, but the patterns repeat. So if I, could, if I was sitting down with you and I go, Rich, we're working together. I'm excited mm-hmm. about it. You're a nice guy. You've mm-hmm. got a cool beard. I've got a cool beard. Things are looking <laughs> good here. Sure. But I'm like, tell me sure. about it. Tell me when you've worked with somebody like me in the position that mm-hmm. I'm working with you in, and mm-hmm. it's, just, it's not been good. It's been a struggle. It's been really hard. Tell me about mm-hmm. it. What, what, what did you do and not do and say and not say that really mm-hmm. made that working relationship struggle? And I'll tell mm-hmm. you the same. And this is such a gift for me because I'm like, okay, I'm getting some really good clues about how not to you know, trigger Rich, how not to drive him nuts, mm-hmm. how not to accidentally mm-hmm. make him crazy. And he's mm-hmm. getting the same information from me. And mm-hmm. so often what we do is we, we project or we guess or we assume what it takes to make mm-hmm. the person happy and how to avoid them being unhappy. And now mm-hmm. I'm just saying, why don't we say that out loud <laughs> rather mm-hmm. than just making it up about that other person? Mm-hmm. And it is um, – so, for instance, I mean, little things. If mm-hmm. I go, if you say, look, the thing that kills me is the um, is feedback that is always wafty, high-level, positive, and never gives mm-hmm. me any of the details. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, that's really good because actually mm-hmm. I tend to go for the kind of the pastely, huggy, light incense, mm-hmm. woo-woo, you're amazing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes mm-hmm. I forget to kind of go, here's where I'd love you to improve. I can, mm-hmm. I can do that now. I've got to know. Mm-hmm. Rich, I've got to get gritty with my feedback. Yep. Okay. I love that. So the, when we're thinking, so let's stick with this, this whole bad date question. What, yeah. what can we learn from past, you know, frustrating relationships? I think that's a really great question. When, as I'm going to do this, as I, so let's say I'm thinking about going to a leader, I'm going to have this conversation. Yeah. I'm imagine, is this the kind of thing I want to prep them ahead of time, like say, hey, I'd love to have this conversation. Here's a bit of framework. Maybe I tack it onto the end of a one-on-one yeah. or do I just spring it on them and you know, t- talk us through what that looks like? How do I actually have that to maximize it, to kind of get the best yeah. value out of it? I, I, again, you, you always have a choice so you can decide mm-hmm. what works for you. But I would mm-hmm. say for the people on your team and the people who are kind of the closest to you, the most vital relationships, mm-hmm. the more warning you can give them and the more clarity that you can give them, the, mm-hmm. um, the safer this conversation is going to feel for them. You know, in the coaching habit, I talk about the neuroscience of engagement. And, mm-hmm. you know, just as a quick detour, five times a second, the brain is going, is it safe here or is it dangerous? Safe or dangerous? Safe or dangerous? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. there are four drivers that make a mm-hmm. conversation feel safe for people. Um, mm-hmm. And it spells the word Terra, T-E-R-A. And they mm-hmm. are tribe, expectation, rank, and autonomy. 
So tribe, mm. the brain is going, are, are, are you with me or are you against me? Expectation mm. is, do I know what's going to happen or do I not know? Mm-hmm. Rank is, are you more or less important than me? Mm-hmm. And autonomy is, are you making all the choices or do I get some say in this? That's mm. what the brain is going and going, here's how I tell whether it's safe or dangerous. And of course, if it's mm-hmm. safe, they're more likely to step forward, be vulnerable, mm-hmm. be nuanced about the situation, see the best. If it's dangerous, they're retreating, they're backing away, mm-hmm. everything's a bit black mm-hmm. and white, everything's a bit fight or flight. Mm-hmm. So you're constantly as a leader looking to try and lift the terror quotient because it makes mm-hmm. it safer for all of you, which makes mm-hmm. it more likely that you can bring their best and you can build mm-hmm. a relationship that feels safe and vital and repairable with that person. Mm-hmm. All of that to say, if you can say to them, hey, Rich, mm-hmm. uh, this, is, this is a bit unusual, but I'd love us mm-hmm. to have a conversation about how we, how we are working together or how we will work together rather mm-hmm. than just you know the projects that we're working on at the moment. Mm-hmm. I've got five questions. I read it in a mm-hmm. book. <laughs> and I'm going <laughs> yes. to do some thinking about how I'm going to answer the questions. I'd love you to do some thinking too. So we're both prepared Great. for the conversation and then we can both dive into it. Mm-hmm. And then when you jump in there, mm-hmm. so you, what you're really helping there with the E, the expectation around yeah, that. Yeah, that's good. You, there's that's also good. a rank thing, which is like, mm-hmm. I'm going to ask and answer this question. So mm-hmm. we're both going mm-hmm. to be doing it, not just me mm-hmm. asking you. Mm-hmm. And then when you can start the conversation off, you might say, hey, Rich, thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it. A bit nervous and excited as well. Um, mm-hmm. Do you want to go first or should I? Um, mm. Oh, that's good. That's a good tip. What, what that's doing is lifting uh, its tribiness and autonomy. In that moment, you've mm. just bumped up both of those things. And mm-hmm. if they want to go first, fantastic. That's wonderful. Right. You're like, great. And your job is, you don't have to fix anything. Your job is just to be present and listen. Mm-hmm. But if, you, if they ask you to go first, which I think they will most often, because they're mm-hmm. kind of going, I don't know, what, what are we doing they're trying here? to get in. Yes, <laughs> I, need, I, need to to see what, I need to see what the game, what game is being played here so I get a yes. sense of it. <laughs> then your choice is to role model vulnerability. So the more you are willing to share and be open and be real and maybe be a bit messy about how you answer these questions, the extent that you go is the extent that they will go. So Mm. you set the standard by which what's permitted around vulnerability and openness and and humanness, really. So you Mm. get that choice around it. If you you give top-level abstract not giving not i'm not sharing much there that's exactly the same type of answer you'll get from that other person yeah that's so good so one of the stereotypes we a lot of people listening in um in our world that are called executive pastors and like these people are typically not the lead pastor of the church but they're you know they're kind of responsible we similar like a coo responsible for the kind of day-to-day management And, and there's a stereotype. I know this is not any of you that are listening in, but <laughs> the other ones. there's a, the other, the executive other ones, pastors, the yeah. other executive pastors, there's a stereotype <laughs> that, the, that we can be just very transactional and yeah. not necessarily transformational. We're not like, we, because we manage the budget, we manage, you know, yeah. all of that stuff. And, and there may even be leaders who are listening in that are self-aware enough to say, you know what? I actually think I am too transactional. I think I am too I am that guy who's is just too concerned about, are you checking your stuff off? And they want to take a step towards this kind of relationship. They want to, and, yeah. but they understand that the expectations on the other side are like, this is like way out of left field. Coach us through how we could make that kind of, how do we change? Let's say we're convinced we want to make that change. We want to be more transformational. We want to help. We want to be more of a coach. How can I step to, you know, step towards our people in a way that's better? 
Well, I perhaps would start not stepping towards your people, but step towards mm-hmm. a person. Um, mm. Because oh, it's, it's a, sometimes these books, it's the same with the coaching habit as well. You know, people are like, oh, man, I've got to change everything. <laughs> I've got to mm. stay curious longer. I've got to become more yes. coach-like. And it can feel a bit overwhelming because it's mm-hmm. not an insignificant ask. It's like Mm -hmm. I'm trying to shift the way that I show up as a leader and as a human Mm -hmm. being, be more curious Mm -hmm. about that other person, be willing to share the spotlight with them, be willing to invite Mm -hmm. them in, be willing for them to take responsibility and accountability that's appropriate for them. Mm -hmm. These are non-trivial shifts in behavior and shifts in how you see yourself. So give yourself the grace to know that this won't be an immediate transformation and won't happen overnight, but Mm -hmm. start somewhere. The very act of making the invitation to somebody is a powerful first step. Mm -hmm. Feel free to go. They might be skeptical at first. (laughs) Nobody Mm -hmm. saw this Mm -hmm. coming from me. Um, They're like, yeah, that's okay. They'll be skeptical. My job is to keep at it. Um, Mm -hmm. And I would um, select your person from one or two different pools Okay. Probably I would start with, like, if I if you had to guess who the person who would be most open to this, in mm-hmm. other words, it would be safest for you and easiest to practice something new, who would mm-hmm. that person be? Start mm-hmm. with one person. You might not mm-hmm. even start with somebody who's part of your church. You may go, I'm going to mm-hmm. practice oh, with a vendor, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. the yes. person who provides the things that we need. Um, yep. I want that uh, – some of those you want to be transactional relationships, but some of them are more important than that. And you might like, mm-hmm. how do I be a better, how do we have mm-hmm. a better collaborative partnership? Oh, you're like, good. you're practicing kind of in a safe area, but you mm-hmm. might also go, look, I've got a couple of disastrous working relationships. You know, they feel mm-hmm. really broken. Mm-hmm. Why you could start there because you're like, honestly, there's not a whole lot to lose. <laughs> you know, right. Yeah, if that's this doesn't answer. work, it'll be exactly the same as it currently is. So right, that right. might also be a safe place for you to, to give it a go because if it does work, boy, what a transformation that could have, make. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, so let me describe another scenario and and maybe you could help, uh, you know, help leaders who might be listening in, um, you know, apply some of this to this particular scenario. So oftentimes if I'm um, at a church, it's not all the time, but if I'm at a church doing some coaching, we're working on some some issues, uh, you know, one of two conversations happens. And this is pretty typical. I'll have a lead pastor. So they're typically the person that's in charge of the organization. Uh, they're like the primary communicator and they'll pull me aside and say, you know, I just, I really love my executive pastor. This person does a great job. They're like so good at getting stuff done and they rattle off all this positive stuff. But then you know what happens. There's a but at the end (laughs) of the sentence. And they're like, but can you help me work better with this person? Or Mm. the reverse will happen. An executive pastor will say, man, I love my lead pastor. They're like all vision. I love their teaching. They're fantastic. But help me understand. Mm. um, Can you talk us through the kind of leading up scenario? How how could I learn, take some of the lessons here when I'm the person that's not actually the primary? I'm, you know, I'm reporting to someone else. How can I work better with that person? Yeah, it's really good. Um, so if I was you in that position, I might do a couple. Of, I might think of a couple of things. One is mm-hmm. I want to help people understand the dynamic that's going on because mm-hmm. it is lead and executive together, mm-hmm. and they're those mm-hmm. people with their individual personalities. But there's a mm-hmm. pattern that's playing out that is beyond just who they are as individuals. And mm-hmm. the the model I go to most often is called the Cartman drama triangle. 
And the Cartman mm. drama triangle says there are when things get dysfunctional, and they always get dysfunctional, mm -hmm. three roles play out. The rescuer, the victim, and the persecutor. Victim is, oh, it's too hard, it's unfair, yeah, 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 kind of like save me. Um, the the persecutor is finger waggler, you're no good, micromanager, and the rescuer is the let me jump in, let me fix it, let me solve it, let me take all of this mm -hmm. on. And those are all very and my bet is when you've got those dysfunctional relationships, there will be a pattern mm -hmm. going on. And it's really helpful to say, here's the drama triangle. What what pattern do you think is showing up? What role do you think mm -hmm. you're playing? What role do you think the other person is playing? Mm -hmm. And then that and then go, now how might you break out of that drama triangle? That's mm -hmm. already a great Good. start. You know, yeah, just going, it. I'm understanding this at a different level and it's not just me versus them. It's a dynamic. Right. But then you might the, the danger if you're the coach is mm -hmm. you become the rescuer and mm -hmm. you actually maintain this dysfunctional relationship by going, oh, I know they sound terrible. Tell me all about it. Oh, my goodness. What can you do about mm -hmm. it? Mm -hmm. You actually keep them in their kind of victim frustrated role rather mm -hmm. than help them get out of it. So mm. one of the things you could teach them is this idea mm -hmm. of this keystone conversation, which is like, mm -hmm. what, what, what would be – you know, anytime you give somebody a choice, Rich, I always say, what are the prizes and punishments? Because every choice mm. has prizes and punishments. If you were to have a conversation about how you're working together, mm -hmm. what are the prizes and punishments of that? What's at risk mm. of you doing mm. that? Oh, mm -hmm. they won't like me. Oh, it won't work. Oh, nothing will change. Oh, we'll just keep things the way it is. And wh what are the possible prizes of that? Well, we shift everything. We clear up this, this misunderstanding. Yeah. We reset and get back to who we are at our very best and and have that conversation and go, what do you think? Are the prizes and punishments worth it? Because if you choose not to have that conversation, if you choose not to actively manage that, there are prizes and punishments to that choice as well. Right. Love it. I don't know. What well, do you think? Talk... What, what, what landed for you in that? Well, the thing that landed, well, I, well, that triangle makes a lot of sense. And I think the, um, that idea of being the rescuer in the midst of the scenario that actually just propagates, continue, keeps it going. Yeah. I, th I think there's there, I think one of the dangers of what we do in our world is, um, we can shy away from some of these, you know, pointed conversations because, yeah you know, we're afraid of whatever, insert whatever the, the, the particular punishment we're worried about. Yeah. But what ends up happening is we cultivate a whole other set of problems, which is, you know, it's gossip. It's, you know, it's, we're thinking negative things We're we're, you know, we're per perpetuating negative habits, Great. you know, all of that. So yeah, I, I think there's, there's something to just pulling back and having the, Hey, let's actually just have the conversation to find the relationship. Let's talk about where we're at. Um, because I think it's so important. Because the coaching conversation for me is when I'm working one-on-one -on -one with somebody is what's your role in this mess? Mm -hmm. The temptation is to look at the other person and go, tell me about what they're, what they're like. They sound terrible. Mm -hmm. Oh, I get it. Oh man, that must be hard. And I'm like, that's kind of interesting, but all mm -hmm. we can control and all I can coach is you. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. what's your role in this? And the drama triangle helps them articulate their role because mm -hmm. rescuer, victim or persecutor, they're all dysfunctional roles. They're all mm -hmm. kind of perpetuating the stuckness in some way. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. it's like, what choices do you have to shift this? Because if you mm -hmm. want this to be different, be the person who has the courage to say, how do I make this different? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, love it. Well, when I was reading the materials about your book, one of the things that struck me was, man, this would be a great resource for teams of people to read together that I think getting it, you know, if I've got 10 people, hey, this would be a great resource, maybe for the fall, or maybe even over the summertime. Yeah. I know it comes out here in the summer as like a, um, a, a good way to introduce this topic to the culture. Uh, it will spur that conversation. Is that what you were thinking when you when you pulled this one together? Tell me about kind of what was in your mind when yeah. you were writing this book? You know, um, I hope, I mean, I, w- I would be thrilled for teams to pick this up and going, this will help us build a stronger team. Mm-hmm. And also, I think I've written this primarily for people to build trust and safety and vitality and repairability. Those are the three characteristics I talk about as a best possible relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, is mm-hmm. it kind of, uh, safe, vital, and repairable? To mm-hmm. build that one at a time. Mm. One one conversation, one person at a time. So if mm. I'm a team leader, I want that there to be safety and vitality within the team itself. I want it to be, mm-hmm. you know, you always hope a team is more than the sum of its parts. But I also want to take responsibility for my one-to-one relationships within that team. Because I think by mm-hmm. building that safety one-to-one, you then mm-hmm. start building the safety for the team to be amplified as well. Yeah. I love, you know, Kudos to you, Michael. Even in this conversation, you have you're living out your the message of this book. You have pushed me back multiple times to yeah, yeah. Stop ignoring everybody. Uh, <laughs> stop thinking about everybody. Come back to that one relationship. Let's go back to one thing. If we can, let's have that conversation, yeah. uh, which I think is a great thing for us to think about. I think sometimes we can just get so caught in the like, okay, we've got all this is like a mass of people, as yeah. opposed to well, let's actually just have one of these conversations. And if and, people yeah, want to. Those interventions happen all the way, right? You want intervention yes. one-to-one. You, you want to think about your intervention as a team. And you, if mm-hmm. you're holding an organization, you know, the 10 or the 15 of you, you're like, mm-hmm. you're thinking the culture of your organization and the values of your organization as well. You're trying to build a place where important work gets done and people thrive. And you kind mm-hmm. of need to be working at all three of those levels if you're at that, if you've got that control and you've got that influence. Mm-hmm. Love it. Well, where can people pick up copies of this book? I want to make sure that they, uh, it comes out at the end of June, 2023, if I remember correctly. That's right, June 27th. Uh, okay, perfect. So you can pre-order now, I'm assuming at Amazon. Are there other places we want to send them? Well, it is true that you'll find the books in all those obvious places where you buy books. Um, yep. But if you want bonuses and extra downloads and kind of additional stuff, bestpossiblerelationship.com is a website mm-hmm. where there's a ton of kind of free stuff, including me role modeling what a keystone conversation looks like so you can come and mm-hmm. see me having a keystone conversation with actually somebody on my team it was a real mm-hmm. conversation that we filmed and kind of um want to share with people so you can actually see what this looks like and sounds like in real life mm-hmm. love it this is this is such a fantastic uh resource and friends i would you know highly recommend that you pick up copies of this that you at least get a copy for you and you know but maybe for some other folks in you I, I do think you know this is going to be the kind of resource that's going to help so many of us think through these uh these relationships anything else you'd like to share michael just as we wrap up today's conversation you know i probably just summarize some of what we've already said and mm-hmm. you've been a really gracious host so thank you rich um <laughs> you know it, i think every working relationship can be better And Mm. I think you can do that by having a conversation about how we work together rather than what we work on, because it's a way that you connect to the humanity of the other person, as Mm. well as discuss what's important in the work. Mm. 
Thank you so much. Well, this is great. Anywhere else we want to send people online? So again, uh, that's bestworkingrelationship.com. Best possible. Uh, best possible Best possible, sorry. Best possible right. relationship.com. Uh, I want to send people there. Any, anywhere else we want to send them online to track with you and to track with the work you're up to? You no, know, my, my more general website is mbs.works. Um, mm-hmm. But you know what? You'll get, if best possible relationship is a doorway into all of that as well. So if you're just remembering one URL, bestpossiblerelationship.com is Perfect. it. Great. And we'll link to all that in the show notes. So yeah, appreciate, appreciate you, Michael. Thank you so much for being uh, here today. Thank yeah, you, brother. Thank Take you. care. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Unseminary Podcast. Drop by unseminary.com for more helpful resources for you and your team. There you will find articles, online courses, and so much more. Unseminary, stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Presented by CDF Capital. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary.